Welcome, welcome my friends to another episode of Is That Really Legal with Eric Rubin. Today we cross the great Atlantic Ocean to talk with Andrea Vigit. Andrea is an incredibly talented musician, vocalist, writer, and she also teaches vocalists. She's had an interesting journey starting out in Switzerland and staying in Switzerland, although she travels literally all around the world uh, to teach, to perform, and to visit friends, uh, which I am grateful to be one. Uh, I know her boyfriend lives in Cologne, Germany, so she does a lot of traveling even today uh, back and forth to Cologne. Uh, they can do that. Uh, things are better over there. Um, but in any event, if you get on a train, uh, please wear a mask, make sure everything is clean, and take along some Abe's muffins. Uh, they come in these great containers. Uh, they're very easy to carry. They are allergen-free. They taste fantastic. And even your European friends will love them. Uh, they come in all kinds of great flavors, lemon poppy seed, blueberry. Uh, just t take them, buy them, put them in your mouth. If you don't like them, scream my name. Or if you do like them or don't like them, go to isthatreallylegal.com. Leave me a message about Abe's Muffins. You can also leave me a message about the show, about people you'd like to hear be on the show, or give me feedback on what you've liked or not liked about the show. Really, I'm here for this. So go to isthatreallylegal.com, leave a message. You're going to hear that Andrea had a very interesting journey and continues to have a very interesting journey. And uh, you'll even get to hear about how she knows several languages. Look, she's just a cool person, interesting, enjoying my conversation with Andrea Vigan. Andrea Vigan, thank you for being on Is That Really Legal? Welcome. So happy thank to have you. you. Thanks for having me. Uh, as I was saying in the intro, or Kat said in the intro, I've known you for well over 10 years. I've known you through friends, through doing seminars together and just a whole bunch of experiences. We know each other's uh, families and uh, significant others, as we say here. You yeah. probably knew my wife before I did. I think it's, so. It's possible. Um, but I'm just gonna get right into the fact that you know people will hear that your voice is not an American voice. And you're coming <laughs> no, to me, <laughs> you're coming to me from Basel, Switzerland, right? I am. Cool, and I bet, just to be clear, I've been to your apartment with my wife. And I one have been of the, to yours. That, that's true, well, yeah, several times. And um, what I think is cool about your apartment is I can see France from your balcony. <gasps> you can. You actually and can. I remember the first time I stepped on that balcony. That was about eight years ago. And I remember stepping out um, that door where, where my um, bedroom is now. And I looked and I just saw the French mountains and I was so happy. And I knew that that's the place where I want to live. I, what I find remarkable, first of all, you, you're so talented and we're going to talk about all the things you do and the cool life experiences you've, you've had and where you're at right now. But, you know, most Americans don't even think about speaking anything other than English. You know, I speak a decent amount of Spanish. You know, my wife Holly's fluent in French. You speak at least three languages that I know of. I know yeah, you I, yeah. My, my native, native language is Swiss German. Then the, the, um, the language that we learn at school is, we call it high German, like the German, that Germans talk. And then we, the first language in Switzerland you actually learn in primary school when you're about nine or 10 years old is French. Oh, That's the, because, because, it's, because French is one of the four languages that in this country are, um, how to say that? It's just them. one of the four languages. Yes, yeah. we use them. And then the, the, the third one that I learned was English. But English, is, it's, it's a funny thing because I actually learned it through music. I always loved music, listening to songs. And I, from a very early age, I started to um, 
to translate the lyrics of the songs. From English to Swiss German? From, Engl from English to German. So that's how, that's how I got along. That's how I, I learned English. So, like, you were listening to pop songs on the radio? And we had this, yes, and then we had this um, magazine that, that printed out the lyrics of the most popular songs and had the German translation on the other side. Oh, that's brilliant. You know, and so that it was brilliant. So I could learn English and German words, you know, what, what they're translating. So, you know, we're taught in our cultures, I think probably both cultures, I'm not supposed to ask a woman their age. But I That's do fine. want to know what you listened to when you were growing <laughs> up. So what was on the radio? Well, what were the songs my that age, I, I'm, I can tell you, I'm 35. And um, I actually grew up with classical music. My, my parents love classical music. My, my favorite thing in the world was when I was in, in, in primary school was Mozart. The piano concerts of Mozart. I remember bringing them to school as my favorite music. You know, we had this day where everybody brought the tape with their favorite songs. And I think it was in the, in the early 90s where Backstreet Boys and Britney Spears and all these things were, were very, very popular. And yeah. I, and I brought this tape with the Mozart concert on it. Yeah, it wasn't very, didn't go that well. But <laughs> I, I loved it. I loved it. And my, my parents also loved listening to um, folk music. Like, like traditional, okay. traditional folk music of Switzerland. And when I was younger, I didn't like it. But, but until this day, I, I, I love that style of music because there's yodeling involved. There is this like kind of accordion-ish um, instrument involved that is very typical Swiss. And I just love all kinds of music, always have, you know. You know, you I was... and I have that in common because I, yeah. I grew up playing the cello. I was, um, oh. and listening to show tunes. Did you listen to any show tunes when you were a kid, like Broadway? No, no. Okay. And then uh, big band music from my parents. And I just turned 59 and I grew up in the 60s. So I listened to whatever my brother and sister bought, which was Diana Ross and the Supremes, the Beatles, the Beach Boys, 60s, and what we in America called the British Invasion, um, which <laughs> meant there were all these British pop groups that followed the Beatles. You know, Jerry and the Pacemakers, Rolling Stones, Freddie and the Dreamers, Herman and the Hermits, all that stuff. And they were very melody driven. These were pre, in my opinion anyway, very pretty songs, usually mm -hmm. not super complicated. Uh, and when I think of folk music, uh, being an American of that time, I think Woody Guthrie, Bob Dylan, you know, early Bob Dylan, there's a guitar. Yeah. Someone yeah. singing about, you know, some social injustice or <laughs> some goofy <laughs> thing, right? And that's very American folk music kind of thing. But yes, I, I'm familiar. I, I couldn't tell you any songs, but because I've seen stereotypical Swiss attractions that would have that kind of music behind it, you know, with people wearing not quite lederhosen, but there's a Swiss version of that. Yeah, I, I don't know that the English word for it. It's it's a traditional outfit, it, and it's from from. It depends on in which area you live. It's different. Like the women wear skirts and blouses and the colors and the style are different from, from each region. And no, there's no. also traditional dances that come along with it. And when I was a kid, um, my, my brother and my sister and myself, we, um, we danced those traditional dances in those outfits to the, to the traditional Swiss folk music. That was fun. I would pay to see those videos because I think they'd be adorable. I, I can show you pictures. Ah, excellent. Well, I'll send you that. a picture. I, I asked my mom to take a picture of um, the photo album and send it to you. Do that and tell Pia I said hi, by the way. I will. Like the way I dropped that in, I know her mom. Um, <laughs> and uh, just so for people who don't know Switzerland, uh, I, I know it a little better than most Americans because I've been there a few times and I've been to Geneva, which is mm, very different nice. from Basel. Why I was yeah. a literary agent and the Geneva Writers 
flew me over. I was so amazed that they invited me. I had to double check to make sure that it wasn't some <laughs> kind of scheme. Like I thought someone was like pulling some kind of joke to make me buy an airline ticket to go to Geneva and then show up and then find out there was no hotel reservation, no <laughs> event. So I was very nervous about it because there's crazy stuff that happens in the world, you know? Because they wanted me to buy it and they reimbursed me, which was fine. I had a great time. It was such... See, okay, so I live in New York and you've been in my home. I live in Brooklyn and it has its own magic, you know, very it close does, to New York yes. City. But when you're in Geneva and you come out of the train station, you look... And I, I actually stayed at this lovely hotel that was right next to the train station. And the train stations in Europe in general and Switzerland specifically are beautiful. They have like yes, supermarkets in them. They have chocolate shops. They have everything. <laughs> you come out and, and Mont Blanc is right there. Like people yes. are walking out of the train station. I kid you not, people, with skis. They have their because it was winter. They have skis. <laughs> And they're going on a tram, like like basically a trolley or a subway, with their skis, and they're heading to Mont Blanc to go skiing. Yes. It's yes. insane. Right in the middle of a world-class city, which like hosts the United Nations. It's insanity. <laughs> oh, uh, I love me. that because for me, I, I was in Geneva um, a few months ago during summer. And I think I was there once as a kid and i'm as astonished as you are that you have this lake and then you have these gorgeous mountains behind it it's it's like it's a postcard thing i'm always like in awe because where i live we don't have that many mountains right and and what's interesting is i think geneva is the city where people speak french yes yes so so you, you know can you imagine you're an american don't imagine it. It's not worth it. But I'm an American. <laughs> I live in New York. I have driven across this country several times back and forth and certainly flown across it a bunch of times. That's 3,000 miles. I don't think it's 3,000 miles from Switzerland to anywhere in Europe. It's much shorter. You can walk yeah. across Europe. Well, not really. But, so, yeah, but in a short space, when you, go, you could be in Zurich and now everybody's speaking German. Not French, right? And then, of yes. course, Basel, yes. definitely German. And French. Be I mean, because... here. Okay, here's another cool thing. When you land in Basel at the airport, you're actually landing in France. Nobody tells you this. You're actually in <laughs> yeah. France. And there's three exits. You have to be careful when you leave to leave the right exit. Otherwise, you're going to end up in the wrong country and have to go back through customs. And it's the, yes, same, it's the same for the Basel train station there's literally a french track and a german track if i'm not mistaken at the train station yeah, we have two train stations one is the swiss and the french train station and then there's a german one on the other side of town it's just it's just wild um but, it's so funny because yeah. it's so normal to me you know i i live on the street that ends in france so yes. I, I, and, and we got a garden, like an allotment uh, this summer, which is actually in France. So whenever we go there, we cross the border. Now, what's interesting is the first time I visited Basel, I went to your apartment with my wife and friends. We were actually on our honeymoon a year late. Yeah. And so we were celebrating our honeymoon by visiting all our European friends. And I'd never been to France. And my friends, Corinne and Danny, who had us in their car, like, you want to go to France? I said, yeah. So they backed the car up into France for me. So I could say I've been into France. I mean, there's no guard shack. There's no barbed wire. It's like, it's Switzerland and France. Nobody really cares. Like, what's, what's yeah, going to happen? Is someone going to steal a croissant? Like, it's, that's <laughs> it doesn't happen. So, uh, yes, you live in a very beautiful place. And yes. Yeah. What, what I love, though, is as much excitement I have for Basel and seeing it, and by the way, beautiful city, which in many ways feels more like a sweet town in certain places. You know, in the older parts, it's very 
I'm sure it's a touristy kind of thing, but there are these old buildings from the 1700s or maybe older and with the you know little streets that wind, cobblestones, and it's charming. I mean, Basel is charming. Yeah, and true. so let's segue to Brooklyn because when I first met you, we actually met in Manhattan. Um, oh yes, well over I 10 remember. years ago, we At actually Seventh ended up Avenue. having yeah, we had a salad together. Yes, <laughs> with our friends. Or I'm staying with our friends Dave and Pam. I don't know if you were staying with them too. That my mind yes, is a little Yes, I was staying fuzzy. with them too. They were staying, and, they, they had an apartment above Whole Foods and I remember that was my dream come true. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why, but you're, you're, a lot of my European friends have this thing for Whole Foods. They just love it. Um, it's, it's amazing. It's uh, amazing. They, I will tell you that they are not a sponsor of the show. This show is sponsored by Abe's Muffins. So if you eat an Abe's Muffin and like it, please let me know and then I can say something. And you can buy those at Whole Foods too. I think so. Yeah. So yes, there you, you well, can. so there you go. All right. Uh, you know, they you know better than yeah. me. There you go. <laughs> um, so you are one of the most enthusiastic supporters of Brooklyn and New York. You always want to stay at our place. Now, I know it's partly because you love us and that's great, but I think you also love Brooklyn. And I, I actually do. I, I love Brooklyn. I can't really tell you what it's about, but I find it so charming. I find it, it's very, it, it's almost like, like a village. That, that sounds weird, but for me, it's always like a, it's, it's like a, you know, with the trees and all these gorgeous houses with the, with the, with the um, staircases where you go in. It's, and all, also the thing is, I think for me as a European, it always has this movie feeling. Well, there because, are a lot of movies shot in my neighborhood. Yeah. Um, I remember so, the one that was like the, the Apprentice, I guess. Yes. Yes. Not, right? not to be confused with the soon-to-be ex-president's TV show, but The Apprentice, which was starring Anne Hathaway yes, and Robert yes. De Niro. There's a yeah. park I live near, and scenes happened in that park. And she lived in a house, which I'm pretty sure was in my neighborhood. So I, I don't want to say what my neighborhood is, but let's just say it's very classic-looking Brooklyn with lots of brownstones. Mm -hmm. There's a very there's a pretty couple of very pretty little parks where the people of the neighborhood actually constantly keep up the park and plant new plantings and do stuff. And there's children, and even in the pandemic, while people are being respectful, there's like yoga classes in the park on the on the grass <laughs> oh. or. Or um, what do they call it? Tai Chi in the early in the morning, or and I walk through there to get coffee. And you know, there's a million great coffee places near where I live. So yeah, I, I get it. I feel like when I first went to Hamburg, I was like, oh, this is Europe's Brooklyn, because they have that waterfront oh, that's very similar. That and makes sense. Yes. Altena, which is sort of a section of Hamburg, it's very kind of funky and uh, cute with lots of shops and little streets. Um, I'm glad you love art. I mean, I'm very proud of where we live and I, I'm glad you like it. But you, was it, I'm gonna back up. You, you loved Mozart, you <laughs> you listened to, well, you must have, so what were the pop songs you were listening to? Because I kind of got away from that somehow. When I, when, I was, when I was a teenager, I don't know if you know the, the band, the Kelly family. I don't know the Kelly family. They were they were like huge in Europe. In were they the American 90s. or British? They or? were. They, I think they were. We they were Irish, I believe. Oh, okay. And well, they were I mean, doing they were Irish. doing like like street music. You know, there it was a family about nine or ten people, and they were playing together on the street. And yeah, in the nineties here in the it 70s. was. All right, so but, it was either you were like Backstreet Boys or you were Kelly family. And I was the Kelly family um, uh, side. So that was my thing. I was like, I, that was just my thing. I loved their music so much. I, I only remember that I was listening only to, to that band. And then when I was growing older, I started to listen to all kinds of things from the 60s, 70s. And then at one point when I was about 18, I remembered I was like, oh, I only listen to music from people who are dead now. <laughs> I, I, cannot, I cannot even go to a concert, you know? 
So I started to catch up with the with the modern times at that time. <laughs> so. Did you are you into the into Mumford at all? Because I think they have that kind of folk and rock thing. Do you know who Mumford is? No. Uh, well, you have to look them up. I think they'd be right up your alley. Will do. Um, Will do. And at one point, you became a performer yourself. So I mean, I know. You must have studied piano from a young age. When did you yes, start doing that? I, I, well, my parents were very supportive of, of my, um, my love for music and my love for instruments. So I started, and uh, what's it called? The recorder, is uh-huh. that right? That, that, that wooden flute. Yes. And I think probably all, all children start playing music. And I, I have to tell you, I loved this. I really sure. did. And there were, there were, um, there's a bigger one, the alto recorder. Yeah. And I remember my godmother was the teacher, the recorder teacher at our local music school. So I had lessons with her for about five or six years. And parallel to that, I, I started playing the piano. I, I think I played the piano, started playing when I was four or five. My uncle showed me how to, how to do chords on the piano, you know, so you can, accompany yourself while you're singing because I was always singing mm. and then some sometime in between I had some guitar lessons but after a few lessons I, I remember uh, my finger didn't want to do what I wanted to do so I stuck <laughs> with the piano uh, I'm very in awe um, of all people who play guitar really wow. because I, I can do a few chords but I, I'm a piano person and then when I was when I was fifteen, I guess I started to get singing lessons, classical singing at first, and then later, more the pop, pop jazz stuff. I just want to say that I, while I studied piano as a kid, up to the point where I got more serious about cello, there was a point when I was able to make my left hand do one thing and my right hand do another. Now as a guitar player, I'm happy to be able to sing and play at the same time. But I don't know how piano players do the two-hand thing. I mean, I can do chords on the piano, but it mm-hmm. is not really playing the piano. I can do it for recording purposes when I had my own studio where I could kind of put things together, you know, with a synthesizer. But it's just not the same. So we all have the thing. We all look across from each other and go, I wish I had your thing, you know, or I had your ability or whatever. And then we're in awe. Meanwhile, like, so, you know, uh, you have a beautiful voice Thank and I'm, I'm not soliciting this, but I'm sure you're thinking, you know, you like my voice. Maybe that's too presumptuous yeah. of me to say, but, and I, I feel very fortunate that I, like you have been singing all my life. I feel like people like you and I just come out of the womb singing and it yes. doesn't matter what it <laughs> <Probably>. is, show <laughs> tunes, Schumann, leader you know or you know beatles it's just eventually we're gonna sing uh unless something's up with us you know that's a whole other there's something where we're like i'm not singing because i'm a no to whatever or i'm having i'm having as they say in german a schmullen fest you know i'm <laughs> you know I'm, I'm pouting in public or whatever um uh but at some point you even elevated yourself to the point where you were a rocker or a punk I was oh so my. when did that happen well let me let now, by, by the way people should know I hope you're okay with this people so Andrea is six feet tall and I, I'm just even taller you are tall and six because I feel like you and I, I are, think six three yeah okay so I'm six three and I feel like yeah you're right because we've had that thing where we look at each other we're like we're not sure who's taller um, <laughs> yeah, true. I, um, and you don't really you don't have a problem wearing shoes that make you taller I think actually you really own being tall and you make it really what well, I think you're so okay with your height that people around you are okay with your height now wh- what I mean by that is sometimes if people are weird about their height they slouch because I've done that you know I'm 6'3 I've done the slouch thing done that I've, too Right. Or I've yeah. done the overcompensate, like I'm so much taller than everybody and people feel weird around yeah. that. Done that too. 
But when you're comfortable in your own skin, it's just like we're all just hanging out. And I know you're tall the same way that I know we have friends who are tiny. I, I'm somehow amazed that we're all the same species. <laughs> like yeah. one of our friends, Sonia, <laughs> is not a tall person. No. And, but I, I wouldn't not include her. <laughs> anyway, my No, point- the funny thing is when you say that, I just remember when I was younger, people constantly would ask me how tall I am. Mm. And people have not asked me that in years. And it's probably because I don't really think about it anymore. Right. You probably had an invisible sign on your forehead that said, ask me about my height. Yes, for sure. For yeah. sure. And you don't <laughs> anymore. And what, what I think is really cool is um, your style is very fun. You know, your, your, um, yeah, your style, your fashion sense. I mean, it's totally appropriate to the situation. I'm not saying it's weird, but you also like shiny things and you like glittery things and, and very frilly feminine colors. And you're not afraid to express yourself with clothes or actually in any way. Um, And I think that that's a real gift to other young women who are like, "Um, I'm not a perfect five, seven, look like this, what like, you know what I mean? There's so much pressure that we put on ourselves to look like an image. And I want to make sure you, you, I, I think you know, you're a very attractive person. You've never had a problem getting a boyfriend. Um, you've never, as far as I could tell, and, um, you have a great smile and you are free to use it, which is great. You are not, you don't withhold that smile or yourself in my experience. And I say it's very, it's very, you're welcome. It's interesting because I think I had a similar experience where people used to comment on my height and then they just don't anymore. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I always had the feeling when they did that, it never occurred to me, you know, earlier in my, in my life that it would have to do something with me, you know, that people yeah. ask me that constantly. And it's very funny. And it's actually, it has to do everything with me. <laughs> and I know you probably went through some hair stuff. Like right now, your hair is extremely natural. And also lovely. Extremely, extremely long. You have, you're showing me a braid. Yes. So I have not been to the hairdresser since February. And I intend to go again in February. Maybe, (laughs) you know, once a year. Because I, you know, I have to tell you, I I had, when I was, when I was a kid, I had like these um, curls that, how do you call them? They're very tight. Um, oh, I'm like spit curls, uh, or I don't know, I like so. almost Shirley Temple kind of curls. Yeah, yeah, and um, and and I, yeah. I I liked my hair, and I, but I never had I never had long hair, like never more than shoulder shoulderish, maybe. And and now I'm just letting it grow, and it's it's amazing. It gr- actually grows. <laughs> um, yeah, it looks great. And you, you. you do, you're very good at braiding it unless, um, unless you had somebody else do it. And I'm, no, I'm I do it myself. I could never have long hair because I would, it would be a mess. Um, yeah, just be yeah you would, you would get used to it and used to get, you know, this, this braid that I'm wearing now, it takes like a minute to make. So, uh, I so think I, and that just, I'm good without it. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to say? You know, you know. <laughs> No, I, when you were talking about that I started as, that I did rock music, then I remembered that we, we didn't have a bass player then. So I, I started to play the bass in our, it was like kind of a funk rock band. So before that, I had a punk rock band with five of my girlfriends. And we did, um, it was like a cover band and we did our own songs. We were about at the end of, I think in high school, I'm always never sure how the system works in the US and here. So we were about 19, yeah. something okay. like that. And um, we were five, five young women having a punk rock band and doing like Irish punk, punky music with the accordion. And it was so much fun, mm-hmm. but I, very different from what I do now. 
But yeah. uh, it was a good time. It was a very good time. I, I, would I always wanted to be a rock star. That was my dream. I wanted to become a rock star. That was the thing. Now you colored your hair back then, right? I did. I had like very, I very short hair. It used to be pink, blue, green, purple, all was kinds there, of colors. Was that to shock people or you were just having fun? Both. Yeah. But it was fun, but it was for sure. <laughs> also just to be different and to, to bug my parents. Yeah. Oh yeah. We do lots of things. For that yeah. Purpose. That that's what I did. But, um, but then it, the funny thing was, even though I was in a punk rock band then, I always listened to music that was very different from punk rock, like classical music or these folk things. I, I loved Queen. I was like a Queen fanatic. I, um, I just and you always can hear had classical this... influence in all that Queen music. I mean, it's just yes, these grand yes. piano pieces and the flourishes, the guitar parts are... Yeah like violin solos in a lot of classical music. Sorry to interrupt yeah, you. And no worries, no worries. I, I just always had this huge love for music. It, and still this day, it doesn't matter. Sometimes my, my students um, who come in and to sing with me, um, they're like, am I, am I uh, could we sing that song? Don't you think it's embarrassing? And I'm like, no, you can. <laughs> You, you can sing whatever you want, really. I'm, I'm with you. I, I'm going to awesome. love it, you know? Well, yeah, you're a teacher now, and I'm going to get to that. I want to back up a second, if I may. Yeah, sorry. You, when you were sure. a bass player, did you, like, really know how to play the bass? Or did you play it like this? I'll just kind of, I know this is the bottom four mm. strings on a guitar. I'm a kind of fudge It was it. more kind of that, we, because we, we just didn't have a bass player. What and, kind of bass did I, you play, by the way? Do you know? No, no idea. No idea. That was a very short period of time. I remember um, there was about one and a half years, maybe two years. And because I could play the piano and sing to it, so I had this, this um, ability to, to play rhythmic, rhythmically something else than I was singing. And yeah, that that's was, great. And, and we did like a funky, funky thing. Um, and I played this funky stuff on my bass. I, I had to practice quite a bit because, you know, as I said, guitar and bass, not my thing. And, uh, but it was, so, it was fun. It was really good. It I, was fun. I bet. For the time it was, it was really, it was fun. What's interesting is that you, I feel like you've taken your most recent move as a performer, writer. I have your most recent album, uh, and uh, I, th I think you were, we recorded it here in New York with Jay Messina as the producer, who's a friend of ours and a very well-known yeah, recording guy. That was the one before though. Oh, you have that one was, more recently? Yeah. Oops, sorry. <laughs> no worries. I, or maybe, yeah, no, the, the most recent one I recorded in Germany. Oh, okay. And the one that, that was from 2015, that's in, that I recorded with MJ. Right. I don't, yeah. I, um, I don't think I have the latest one. So we're, when we're done, I'll figure out how I can get that from you. Spotify. Um, oh, really? It's You're on Spotify. Okay. Under your name? Yeah. Cool. And everybody, as long as you're saying that, Andrea Viget. Andrea, A-M-D-R-E-A. Viget is W-I-G-E-T. Um, check her out. Uh, the album I'm familiar with, the 2015 album, is all in Swiss German. And you don't have to understand the songs to love them. They are very, um, you can tell there's love in these songs. And you have a very, um, I, I feel like you have an appreciation for a certain singer songwriter vibe, you know, sort of Carol King, um, uh, Cheryl Crow, even um, some of these women who are uh, maybe um, Tori Amos. I don't know if any of these are people. Sarah it's funny that I, uh, the only song I know of Carol King is You've Got a Friend. Mm -hmm. And the other 
you just the others you just mentioned I never listened to. My big, big, big influence is Eva Cassidy. Eva Cassidy. Okay. Eva Cassidy. Who? You have to check her out. Eva Cassidy is not alive anymore, but she did covers of songs like Imagine or she sang Somewhere Over the Rainbow, the best version of Somewhere Over the Rainbow you'll ever hear. Got it. She did a kind of a bluesy singer-songwriter style. She, I think she never wrote her own, own songs, but she has oh, this she, voice. She died and pretty this, young. Yeah, she did. And she... But she has this voice that, I don't know, is from heaven somewhere. She, it's she magic. Did, in America, we'd say she did standards. Um, yes, yes. Like Autumn did. Leaves and Over the Rainbow. Yeah. And um, You know what's interesting is that people who love music like you and me will find ourselves going back to things that, are, that were not originally our thing. But... Like my, my wife and I listen to this really great jazz radio uh, station that comes from Newark, New Jersey. And they'll do a whole show of all these different singers singing one song. It's like all the same song. So it might oh, be like oh, Autumn that's Leaves awesome. or Got You Under My Skin. And so you'll get Frank Sinatra and you'll get Ella Fitzgerald and, and Shirley MacRae and all... And you'll hear these voices, and they're so distinctive, but also the interpretations of the songs are so emotionally different and are clearly from each, each individual artist. Is that something you respond to? Do you, is that something you seek out or you, you have or are interested in? In what sense? Well, and that you'd like, you'd like to hear different people sing the same song. Yes. Or even go back. Yes. And do you ever go back to those standards, you know, those 50s and 60s pop music songs like Over the Rainbow and like think Definitely. of them? Definitely. Definitely. And what I also love is you cannot only hear their interpretation or their, their different voices, but I feel like everybody has such a different musicality to themselves, you know? So it's never the same. I, I sometimes tell that to my students when they think they have to sing a certain song in a certain way or do, do it distinctly different than, than the person who sang it originally. And I always tell them, you know, you sing it. And just because you sing it, it's already so different than from anything else I've ever heard because nobody has your musicality and nobody has your voice. and. That's, that's always fascinating to me. You know, I like, it's called a cover when somebody does somebody else's big hit song. And there, for me, sometimes the song is so successful, it's very hard for someone to cover it or do a cover of it, um, unless it's so different that it like really blows you away to hear it so differently. There was an album of Elton John covers that we have in the apartment. I can't remember it, but like I think Kate Bush does Rocket Man. You know, oh, wow. Kate Bush is a very, I almost don't even think of her as a singer. I think of her as like a, like a performance artist. You know, she's a very different yeah, kind of presence. She's like a, a whole package. <laughs> and, um, but, you know, uh, there are some bands, they play the cover version and it's a little like, I don't, it sounds like you did an imitation. And then mm. there's others that do their own and you're like, wow, I love their take on it. I can enjoy both the original and their take. Just as an example, the Beatles did, early in their career, they did other people's music, some of it. So Twist and Shout, their version of Twist and Shout is very different than the original, I think it was an Isley Brothers song, could be wrong. But, and also Mr. Postman, which was like either a Shirelle song, it was a girl group song about this girl waiting for a letter. The postman, you know, hasn't shown up yet. And John Lennon has this raspy voice in both of them that's so rock and roll to me that I just think it, it's brilliant. Uh, I, don't, I don't know, I've gone off on this tangent. This is how the show goes sometimes. <laughs> but going back to your Perfect. music, your, the, the album I know, the 2015 album, is You and a Piano. 
you're singing yes. and you're playing the piano. And it's a very stripped down sound, but I think it really helps people appreciate the songs. I'm sure that if you were interested, you could have done full arrangements with strings or drums or guitars. And I don't know, did the later, well, how about the most recent album that you recorded in Germany? That was, was that, that came out in 2018. Yes, 2018 is also piano and myself or ukulele. I had one ukulele uh, song. I did an amazing Grace cover, in, but I, I did uh, the lyrics in Swiss German. That's with the, that's with the ukulele. And what I, I did once, also the Swiss German songs with arrangements, I did some recordings in Vienna a few years ago. And I, it's, I like it, the piano and my voice, that's it. Because I feel it's very intimate and it's something that is very rare these days, that you just hear somebody playing an instrument and sing to it. And it's, I, it's what I love most when I hear music that is very stripped down to the minimum. I, I, I love that. I go straight to my heart. Well, and you know, I, yeah. We live in a time when people can do so many things with technology that I think sometimes people forget we don't have to always do yes. what we can do. It's like I could hear, not that this happened for me or I want this to happen to your music, but I could take one of your songs and I could say, all right, we're going to go into a highly technical studio and we're going to add drums and strings and guitars and we're going to make it a big, you know, very big production number. But just because we can doesn't mean we should. And, yes. and I feel like in many ways the recordings that I've listened to are very much like attending a live concert with you, even though it's yes. not a live concert. Yes. yes, and I recorded it that way too. I recorded it as a live concert. I was just playing and singing at the same time. I once tried it um, to separate, to separate um, those two things, like first playing the piano and then singing along, yeah. and then I, I realized I can't because no. it's, it just goes together. It, no, it, I, it goes together and I and that and I remember Jay saying, Well, if if that's the thing you do every day, then we just do it that way because then it's the most authentic. And I was like, Yeah, let's do it that way. Just for a second to talk about Jay, even though he's not here. Um, we're he's talking about awesome. Jay. Yeah, so Jay Messina, who's a friend of both of ours, and his wife Colleen is also a friend of both of ours. Jay has been the recording engineer for many albums by many great artists, Aerosmith, Kiss, Supertramp. I think he worked with John Lennon. He's not, and many more, and people can look him up. That's fine. But what I love about him, first of all, is he is not a rock star person. Like he is just a guy and he's a very friendly and approachable guy. So that as an artist, I would imagine I haven't worked directly with him. I've worked with Colleen and he's been hanging out with us. But I, you know, if you see all his gold and platinum records on the wall where he works, <laughs> it could be a little intimidating. You're like, oh my God, look at all those people. But when you're just hanging out with him, I think the gift he gives you is that he just wants to have it be something you're happy with. Yeah, he wants you, he, he listens to you and he wants you to do a great job. And then it's, it's very easy. With him, recording an album is so easy. Uh, it sounds He makes beautiful. it easy. Thank you. I mean, I know he wouldn't, he wouldn't let you do something and have it not sound good because I think he's allergic to that. He would just, <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I'd be the same though. I'd be like, ah, no. Mm -mm. <laughs> we gotta, let's do that again. Or yeah. So were there no overdubs? It was all basically no. just you all the way through? All the way through. He didn't no punch in, no punch outs. No, no. Nothing. He didn't cut a song. But you're familiar with that process. Uh, you know, when you people record, punching in and punching out. So for people who don't know about recording in the modern world, a lot of times people who are recording artists don't just play an instrument, sing, and do a live recording, as we might call it. 
they'll play an instrument all the way through or a couple of instruments like the bass, the drums and a rhythm guitar might play the whole song with a rough vocal in the headphones. And then we'll sort of say, okay, that's good for the rhythm tracks. Now we're going to do vocals on top of that. So we empty the studio. We have a booth with a couple of people singing on special mics and they like, they almost never these days just sing the whole song. Yeah, uh, that's verse, what Take okay, a break, you know, do something, sing another verse. Then they'll go, oh, well, that verse, you know, they'll do a bunch of takes and they'll say, well, take three of the first verse was good, but take five of the second verse was good, so we'll put that and that. Because you can do so many things now when there's digital recording. In a way, though, I have to say, it feels a little sterile to me. Yes, yes. Sometimes it does. Well, I we no, we did. We just sang the whole. I sang the whole thing, played the whole thing, and that's how it was recorded, and that's how it's on the album. And that's I great. like it that way because there's always to to each take you play in the studio. There's a certain feel. There's a certain rhythm to it. There's a certain tempo to it. So. I, and that gives it a kind of a, a like a characteristic thing of the song. And if you if you just put that apart and just put pieces together, that goes away. You know, I don't know why I came up with this in my head, but I'm going with it. It's like sure. wine or cheese. You know, when you buy factory, <laughs> well, when you buy factory cheese, like in America. Every slice is going to be the same as every other slice. Some people want that, actually. But when you travel in Europe, where people actually care about the food they eat and make. They care about cheese in Switzerland. Oh, well, that's probably why it came up for me. And also wine, maybe not as much in Switzerland as in your neighbor. Chocolate, more chocolate. chocolate. Oh, yeah, and and rightfully so. Um, You... You know, each cheese wheel, if we're talking about a wheel of cheese, whatever it may be, or is going to be, yes, it should have these characteristics. And over time in the aging process, when it's aged, it should turn to this kind of flavor or this whatever. But each one is still going to be different. It's not, we're not, it's not like, and I hope I don't get sued for this. It's not like McDonald's where you walk in and you want, a, I don't eat them, but you want a Big Mac to taste the same wherever you are. You're counting on it always being the same. When I go to Switzerland, I don't need my cheese or chocolate to always be the same as the last time I got it. Except for Lauterach. I need Lauterach to always be great. And it always yeah, is. But they, but, they, but they do that. It's always great. Lauterach is always great. So yeah. you can't go wrong with that. It's the no. best Swiss chocolate ever. Yeah, for people who don't know, Ladera is a Swiss chocolate company. They actually have a store that opened in New York. Uh, I don't know exactly where, but I used to have to get my fix two different ways. I'd have to go to Europe. Uh, the Basel train station has a store. Basel yes. downtown <laughs> has this beautiful store. Um, but my other way is that when my friends like you come to visit me, we never charge you to stay over. We never do. That would just be wrong, we're friends. But we do strongly ask you to consider bringing us chocolate. And you usually do. And we always do. (laughs) I mean, that would be just mean if we wouldn't. Thank you. Now, some of my German friends didn't bring Ladera, but they brought (gasps) chocolate-covered marzipan. I never used to be a marzipan person, but I've kind of got, I know. And just so people know, Andrea is shaking her head. No, marzipan is not my thing. But my brother, for instance, he loves marzipan. So, you know, there are different tastes. I'm just not a marzipan person. I I go with chocolate. (laughs) That's good. And and just so people understand, Lauterach makes their chocolate with all sorts of stuff in it, including, Mm. and you know, my favorite is the milk chocolate with the cornflakes. Yes. How the Swiss got cornflakes in their chocolate, I don't know. But more importantly, I don't care. I just want it. So thank you. Pleasure. Um, I get it. Mine is the mine. My my favorite is the the hazelnut, the caramelized Mm. hazelnut in in the dark chocolate. Ooh, so good. I'm always afraid I'm going to break a tooth, though. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Probably wouldn't. No. No. 
Okay, no. well. The chocolate is not designed to break anything in your mouth. <laughs> no, the nuts, the nuts are the problem. But if Lauderach is listening by any chance and they would like to be a sponsor on the show, I would cut them a deal where all they had to do is send me chocolate and I would talk about Lauderach a lot. I, uh, I, yes, yeah. you would. Just send, send Eric some <laughs> cornflakes chocolate and he would be over the moon. Yes, absolutely. I, I um, get it. So I want to... I want to move a little bit to the fact that what well, did you go to school for music or did you become a self-taught like or a private study? What happened after uh, high school? Something, something in between. So I, I always knew I wanted to, to do something with music, but to be honest, I didn't really know what. So okay. after high school, I went to, uh, what do you call is it high school? How old are you guys when you finish high school? 17 or 18. Yeah, then it's not high school. We, like but maybe is, it is. It's like the school before you go to university. Well, we sometimes people go to prep school. We call it like preparatory college. Maybe something like school. that. Maybe but something I, like that. I always so feel I finished, you guys study more and better. I just have this feeling. I, I don't know what it's called. It doesn't really matter. So I finished school mm -hmm. and then I... I wanted to study music and I went to the, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, like an exam that you have, oh. no, you have, you had like a, a, an exam you had to go through that you could actually get into the music school. Uh, okay. like an admissions what exam, admission, something like that for the jazz school in Lucerne. And I failed. So I, and I'm so you happy. Failed? I failed? That's hysterical. <laughs> Sorry. I don't, I like, I, that is very weird to me. Well, at that time, it, I actually get it that I didn't get in. It was, it was actually good too. So I, I found other ways. I was always studying with, with them, different people for my singing. And I, when, I, when I was about 20, 21, I started to get real problems with my voice. I had like this pain in my throat all the time. I, and I remember um, saying to myself, well, you're either going to find somebody who can work with your voice and fix this, or you have to do something else with your mm. life. And um, that's how I met our friend Ursula. I started, to, uh -huh. I started to read every book on singing I could find in our local library. Yeah. And there was one book that... Um, that was written by my my soon become my you know new singing teacher and he may um he he did seminars in st gallen where ursula where our friend ursula lives and yeah, she just so people i just want to stop for a second st gallen sorry is yes a, no it's a place in switzerland i've never been there i think it's in the mountains and we have it's, a friend yes ursula who's got what i would call an opera voice and yes, she beautiful. is she looks like an opera singer. She's got a classically opera singer body. And she is also one of the smiley, happy people. Um, and total gem of a human being. So yes. it's great that you crossed her path. Sorry, please. I, yeah, that's how our path crossed. And she was organizing his seminars. And I went to a seminar with him. And I knew when I walked in the door, I saw him, the way he worked, the way I felt with my singing after two days working with him, I knew that this is going to be the education program I want to go with. And it was not at a school. It was a private thing. It was in Germany. It was in Berlin and somewhere at the end of the world in the middle of Germany. And, and I went there like for we did like these intense weeks and then you went home and did your own studies and stuff like that. And, um, I had our friend Ursula as my singing teacher then here in Switzerland. I had him as my singing teacher in Berlin. And, um, it was, it, that was so cool because I just knew this is it because I, I never had that feeling of, Oh, I know what I'm doing. And that's also where it became clear that I wanted to teach this, that well, I, I yeah, what I think is amazing is you ended up teaching and you have, <laughs> well, no, not, it's just like, you know, going from being a rock star or in wanting to be, be a rock star, star yes. um, and discovering a way to keep your voice without destroying it 
and in a way healing yourself. I'm gonna be a little more dramatic because I know you and I know if you couldn't sing, I know you say to the people here, I'd find something else to do, but you'd be devastated. It's like, I would have been devastated, yes. Yeah. Yes, but, but I'm also very, it's who I, you I'm are. a very stubborn person. So uh, I knew uh, I'm, yeah. And, and in those moments that really, that was really the key to it because I, it, it really, um, it bothered me like a great deal. Right. Sorry, I hear, I hear my wife no on a call all the way across the apartment. Tell her There's I said hi. There's nothing I can do about that. For people <laughs> who don't good. know, I record the show in my apartment in Brooklyn. It's going to be a little harder. We're going to be moving into a smaller place for a short period of time while we renovate this apartment. Ah, all right. Well, it's going to be interesting. Anyway, back to you. <laughs> Um, Where so, was I? Oh, oh you, about about my stubbornness. That it, yeah. it really bothered. It really bothered me that 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 my voice just yeah, it was just not well. And and um, I never wanted to be a teacher. I have to say, I and in that time I was like, no, I'm not going to do the same thing as my parents did. My parents were teachers, <laughs> and brilliant teachers. Mm. And I I always wanted to do something else. But then I realized while I was in that education program, getting to know my own voice and the way we work, like um, giving people access to their own voices instead of manipulating something in the sound so that they sound like somebody else. I, I just found so much joy in, in um, teaching singing and people, people, came to me and are still coming and that's how i started my my teaching career you have real fans in your students and not of your singing but of you and of Mm -hmm. your teaching but also just of you i've been to your studio it is you have yes it is a what's funny is if there can be sort of an uninteresting part of basel Sorry, the studio <laughs> is in it. It's like it's across <laughs> yes. the street from a gas station or something. Yeah. And it's not particularly pretty outside. No, much the no. building, the building's fine, but your studio is like you. It's got nice colors. It's very relaxed. It's very uh, touchy-feely sweet. And I, I, I'm, I don't want to give you the impression that I think of you as lacking substance. That's not my point. I think you I can know. have substance, but you know what? It's a nurturing space. That's what I would say. It's yes. a place where people feel they can be nurtured and taken care of. Um, and I know that just from walking into the space, but I also know it from knowing some of your students, knowing you and that whole thing. So if people want to learn about you uh, in terms of working with you, do you have a website? I do. You can go to andreaviket.com. Well, that's pretty easy. So that's A-N-D-R-E-A-W-I-G-E-T.com. Now, it's .com. It's not some kind of crazy European dot thing. Cool. No. Nope. I have I know- another one. I have another one. But that's with the CH, but it's in German. It's too complicated. Just go to andreaviget.com. Yeah. I guarantee <laughs> you people listening to this don't want the Deutsch one. And if Thank you want to listen to my music, just go to Spotify. That's the easiest Great. way. That's the super. Um, yes, have, you... No, uh, have you... No, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Have you run into any uh, difficulties being a woman in the music field or showbiz or teaching, any of that no. stuff. You know, it's funny, in America, there was this whole, um, uh, what is the, oh, I'm sorry. Oh. Well, a couple of years ago, uh, there was uh, a very famous producer who was inappropriate with women. I was called the Me Too movement where people started Mm -hmm. speaking out women who had been taken advantage of just in order to become actresses or performers or do what they want to do, speaking out about all the crap that they had to deal with from people that they didn't want to deal with that. 
And I was quite blind to it, but I am a white male, 59 years old, and no one, you know, I didn't have to do anything to get, uh, I mean, how do I put this? I, I just, nobody hit on me inappropriately. Yeah. <laughs> it just, you know what I mean? It just didn't happen. I'm not saying this well. I think I'm uncomfortable with the whole thing because I, um, I'm just sorry that it's happened to people. And I know that because I'm an older white guy, I, you know, people can make assumptions about me. People can make uh, assumptions about anything. But when this all came to light, I learned that a lot of really crappy things happened in show business to a lot of people. And, you know, you grew up in a very different world. I mean, but at the same time, maybe not that different. So you're looking yeah, at me I like this was never an issue for you. It wasn't, but also probably because I never was in the position of um, having a, a record deal with a major label or having a, a producer or something like that. There were several people who approached me um, to, you know, maybe produce my music with them, but never in a setting where I was... Um, uh, dependent on them. Right. Did so they you didn't have that, kind of that relationship. Yeah. So, you know, I always um, published my music myself. So that, and also with my teaching career, I always had my own studio. I never was teaching in, a, in an institution, in a school or something. So I, I know I can't relate, but okay. I am sure, I'm sure that, that it's different, that it's very different for other people that right. is for me. And I, I doubt that you run afoul of the law much. I always ask people something about the law because it is called, is that really legal? I, th I think the meaning has changed to like, nothing he talks about is about the law. <laughs> but I, I just, I find my friends and the people that I work with so fascinating that I'd rather talk about them. But I, I mean, you don't, you're, so your boyfriend is German, right? Yes. And he lives in Cologne. He lives in Cologne, yes. And you, how long a train ride is that? It's like three and a half hours. Oh, so that's, I mean, it would be. That's my office time. That's my office <laughs> time. <laughs> yeah, so really, like you, it really is. You get on Friday, the train. Friday night, Friday night, office time, train ride to Cologne, Monday morning. That's office smart. time in the train back. Very smart. And I know he visits Basel too. Yeah, yeah, of course. So we do, we have our office. Our train offices. You know. I, I love that everybody's relationship works for them. It's different, however it makes, however you make it work. Um, I was surprised to discover that Holly and I could work and live together 24-7 and with very little friction. Because, you know, I'm used to like, okay, I'm going to my office, you go to your office. And then we see each other at night. I might, we shoot each other texts during the day. You know, how you doing, sweetie? That kind of stuff. Maybe a few inappropriate texts because we like doing that. <laughs> but yeah, ultimate, like yeah, sure. And then yeah, sure. and then meet for dinner, uh, either at home or out. Because, you know, living in New York and not having children or a dog, it doesn't matter. You, you know what? I don't want to make dinner. Neither do you. Great. We'll go here. Um, and that was our lifestyle for years. Uh, and with the pandemic, there's takeout, of course, you know, there's delivery and there's a lot of making food together at home. Uh, and we're here 24 seven. It's very unusual. If she has a early phone meeting, I go out and I get coffee at our coffee place. That's no, pretty me. much, you know, we don't really spend any time separate and it works. Um, but that is us. And I wouldn't have, and who knows, by the way, this is you and your guy right now. I'm hesitant to say his name because I don't, you know, I don't have his permission. But, um, but who knows what will happen in five months, six months, a year? I mean, yeah. or not. I don't know. I don't know what your deal is. But you seem very happy. He seems very happy. Yes. And isn't that what we matters? Yeah. It is. And, and you're, <laughs> I, I like you both. And uh, just keep you. bringing me chocolate. That's all I ask. I there, will. Once, there, you know, once, once we can travel the world again, uh, I'll bring you so much chocolate. <laughs> so much. I'm going to bring you 
piles of chocolate. This is on the record. You hear okay, it here, yeah, people. It's, a, it's on. I said it. I said <laughs> it's on air. I'll bring you piles of chocolate. Now, we want one. I mean, I was so lucky. I was in New York in March. Yeah. And then I went back and we couldn't go anywhere. So it was perfect. Were you were you with us in March? That was the last visit. We you staying I think with us? So. Yeah. I think so. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, I have my yeah, memories. I brought you chocolate. I, I remember I brought you chocolate. Thank you. I yeah, appreciate it. With the cornflakes. I apologize You're that so I didn't welcome. remember. Um, no, you so, don't have to remember. It's fine. Thank you. Um, is there anything you feel like we should have talked about that we didn't talk about, that you wanted to talk about? No. See, I told no. you I had no idea what the show is anytime I do it, but we somehow talked about a lot of stuff for a while. Um, we really, did. I hope people take the opportunity to look you up on Spotify and on your website and get to know you better. Um, yeah, please do. You're one of the cool people. You're one of the, you know what, not cool. You're one of the, you're one of the magical people who has a big heart and a big talent. And Thank I appreciate you. that about you. Thank you. Yeah. So, Andrea, thank you so much for being on Is That Really Legal with Eric Rubin. It's great to hang out. Thank you. It's lovely to be with you. Wasn't that a blast? I just think she's amazing, and I urge you to grab a CD of hers. You can go to her website. Um, she said andreavigot.com um, you can look for where she's going to be playing when we're all back to normal uh, you know what's not normal my love for Abe's muffins and once you have some you're not going to be normal either leave me a message about Abe's muffins the show, my guests anything at isthatreallylegal.com be well, wear a mask take care of each other we'll talk to you soon